Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests on the Goodyear Hotline. Hey, that looks like a pretty day in New York right there. It is, man. It's a pretty day. All right. I give it it one day. No, New York in the fall and the spring. Best place. The best. It's it's the winters and summers that are rough. In fact, that fall is very short. It's a very short window with the fall. Yeah, when it's it's not raining. Fall when it's not raining. That's nice, man. I I, I feel that right there. Just that look. It's really New York up through New Year's. Then this is the worst time in New York. The lights come down. It gets dark at 4.30. Yeah. It's brick. I mean, it's cold. And, and you think like February, oh, it's over. No, no, no. March, mm-hmm. you get snow at the end of March. Absolutely. April. You're in April. You're in April. May. Absolutely. You're in May. No, no, like, May, you are right. It's, it's coming out. You're finally yeah. coming out in May. Yeah, we could get rid. If we got rid of March, I think we'd be. I could get through eight weeks. It's that. It's that. No. Get rid of all of it. Yeah. January, February, March. I'm going to get rid of that. everything. Get rid of June, July. I'll get rid of all of it. That is called California. Exactly. The low Sierra, low humidity, Have sun's you always shining. At places? I've already been checking okay, it out. Thank you. I lived in L.A. for Max. six years. <laughs> and you'll be living in L.A. another six. So. Uh, let's all calm down. Jeez. <laughs> oh, As Adam Schefter tweeted, because this Sunday night game did not need any more juice, right? Richard Sherman announced on his new podcast that he has signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's a one-year deal per Adam Schefter. Sherman said on the PFF Richard Sherman podcast that other teams, including the Niners, Panthers, and Seahawks, expressed interest in signing him, but he ultimately chose the reigning Super Bowl champion, Bucks. I wonder what, speaking of PFF, I wonder what his PFF grade was last time on the field, because I don't know, he looked like he could still play to me. Bucks Patriots on Sunday, obviously. What does Sherman add to the Bucks defense? Does he help fix some of the issues, Key, that you have pointed out? I don't know if he does. I don't know why or what they're looking at in terms of how they want to use him because in their attacking style and some of the things that they like to do up front with pressure and bringing guys from the front seven and adding havoc, you have to play a lot of man-to-man back there. And at his age, I don't know what they would do to protect him Um I know he has a great mind for football. I know he he's seen it all. Got size at the position. He could certainly add a presence in the locker room as another voice and leader. Um, but I just don't know, playing-wise on the field, what does he have really left? Maybe maybe it's a 10-play deal. Maybe it's a 15-play deal. They need him in their spot play for some of the younger corners, and maybe he becomes sort of this elder statement coach type, even though he's playing. It's interesting. There are certain positions where I feel like you can be older or have gone through injuries and your physical, your physical ability could be lesser than what I was before and it doesn't affect you as much, right? Like quarterback, obviously we're seeing Tom Brady do that to a certain extent. LeBron James, because he's like this forward and he's massive, he could be at that pinch post, that power forward position. But corners key, like, you know, it, that physical ability, even though he's experienced high football IQ, is that enough to stop a very athletic, fast jet? Well, he got to be able to run. And, That's exactly and my point. If you, as long as he's not out of position and he doesn't put himself in bad spots, he can use the sideline to protect him with help over the top. I think he'll be fine. I trust that he'll be fine. We don't know yet, right? It just 
Until he gets out there, you don't know. Here's but I, I, I wouldn't. I mean, guys like that tend to tend to show up enough to make positive things happen. He's one of those players in his career. There's guys that no matter what it is, Max, nothing ever goes good for him. He's always getting beat. He he's there to make the tackle. He falls down, and that luck's got to go somewhere, 60, right? <laughs> but he's not that guy. Right? He's the lucky guy. He's the guy that's out of position. And then all of a sudden, Mac Jones throws the football right to him. It was almost like Ty Law at the end of his career. It was like, well, Ty can't run anymore. Ty about 80 pounds overweight. But everything throughout his career was this always what I positive. Get this is what I want to get into. Luck, Branch Rickey, who helped break the color line, Jackie Robinson, right? Yeah, yeah. Branch Rickey quoted a general from, Luck is the residue of design. Right now, here's my question about Richard Sherman. I never thought of him as one of these super fast, twitchy, athletic dudes. I thought of him as big and smart. Right. So the question is, does a guy like that age better because that's already his game? Or does a guy like that, can he less afford to age because he's he's already relying on his size and and his brain? And if he loses even a quarter step that's critical. Which one is it? Is he the type that would age better because of his skill set or worse because of his skill set? I think he 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 mm, could age his- better. He ages better because of his skill set. He is not relying on four three speed. So as it that's not that's never been his game. His game has never been I, I run four two and then all of a sudden he's running four six and he's toast. That's not his game. His game is physical at the line of scrimmage, understanding pattern recognition understanding the scheme that he was in, not blowing coverages. That, that's who he is. And that's who a lot of the great ones are. You know, you, you see a handful of guys that blow you away on clock speed. But most of those guys on clock speed aren't the great guys. The great outside of like Deion Sanders, I mean, is, is, at corner, most guys all run pretty much the same speed. Or They're all on- sub 4-4, four, 4-5 four, four, type guys, except like Prime. Other than that, that's it. On the Bucks, the fastest dude they got's their worst receiver. Not a bad a Scotty Miller or someone like this. Not a bad receiver, but that's their speed guy. That's not their yeah, best guy. But that's what you've been sold for so many years as a fan. You care about the clock speed. Clock speed. It's like, nah, man, that dude plays fast. And that's what, all that he, really matters. Richard Sherman's 40 time when he came Richard out. Richard Sherman was probably a 4-5-3 four, four, dude. Uh, let me ask you. If you're 4-5-6. Uh, wow. See? Yeah. I didn't even need. You looked it up. I just said 4-53. Four, four, that five, was six. probably his best time was 4-53. Key, considering the way the and that's Ram- fast. The, uh, Rams, you do uh, understand, yeah. Considering the way the Rams attacked the secondary for Tampa Bay, like, how would you? Like, obviously, they're going against the Patriots. They, Mac doesn't really throw the ball deep a ton. Dolphins, Jacoby Brissett probably can. Eagles, Jalen Hurts can. Like, how would you design defensively? Like, what kind of scheme would you run if you're Tampa Bay in order to? Because obviously he's going to get attacked, right? Like you mm-hmm. try to exploit the opposing team's weakness. So what kind of defensive scheme would you would you look into in order to kind of mitigate the risk of the secondary? But he may not be a weakness, though, with them. He may be a strength. And that means that what they do on the back end in terms of coverages and tie bowls and protections means a lot. Covering up for him, they, they may play him. They may all of a sudden decide they're going to become more of a zone team on the back end. And not man to man, which falls into Richard Sherman's uh, situation because of his age, because of the ability to be able to run with fast receivers like Jalen Waddle down the field. They're not going to put him on Jalen Waddle. Mm-hmm. It's up to the Miami Dolphins to figure out how to get Jalen Waddle on him. 
and it's up to the Bucks to figure out how to protect him if those things ever happen. Will Fuller all of a sudden, Nelson Aguilar all of a sudden is matched up on Jalen on, on Richard Sherman. Now Ty Bowles and the defense has to adjust to cover up to make sure that he's not on an island at by himself at this age in in getting bombed. And I and I think they will. He's smart though. I'm not I'm not worried about the dude went to Stanford. Okay, he graduated. How do you say it? Kumalati, Kum, Kum, Kumalati. Uh, there's, there's. Let's see. One of them. Kumalati, Summa Kumalati, Magna Kumalati, Summa Kumalati. All them. He did them all. <laughs> he was Summa Kumalati from Stanford. <laughs> everything I don't in know the top. If he was summa from Man, Stanford. he was everything. Google it. Yeah, I don't think he was any of them. Man, he was all that. Everything that you name. I, I, I know Google. he graduated from Stanford. No, no, I'm no, not... no, no, no. Everything at the top of his class, man. That dude was like every all world, everything academically. Yeah, Richard Sherman's a very impressive person. Yeah, it wasn't person. AJ. He wasn't me and you just getting into the school because he played. Whoa. What? Whoa. What you mean? I don't know about that. Man, you only went to Duke because you could play basketball. Okay. You were supposed to go to, like, Philadelphia State or something, man. Stanford, I'm, 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 I'm on Wikipedia uh, right now. Which and one we is all it? know Wikipedia is never wrong. Let oh, me see. God. Hold on. Stop. <laughs> Let me see. <laughs> but he's a, he's I don't know such what that smart, would even be on He's such a smart football player that he's not going to put himself in harm's way that, at all. And that's what I mean. That brain... You would think like a dude who's not super fast twitchy maybe doesn't age as well on the one hand because he can't he, he's not going to, as he slows down, still be fast enough. On the other hand, his career is based on his brain and his length and everything. Yeah. So he's more used to using but, it than other players. But he could, pattern recognition, he can see things right. coming before anybody else. I take Richard Sherman on my you team know. all day. Yeah, I, I think he, I thought he played well his last last. Tenure in San Francisco. I thought he did well, but they me wanted to too. get young, obviously. I thought he looked I good actually to me. Thought, I actually thought he was going to go to New York Jets with Robert Sala, but I guess they, you know, the Jets know everything. So <laughs> imagine Richard Sherman going to the New York Jets. He wanted to win a Super Bowl. Is that what it was? To, yeah. yeah, he wanted to win a Super Bowl this year, not in the next 50 years. So that's why he went to. What makes you think yeah. you're going to win a Super Bowl in the next 50 years? I was just Evan. about you to say that. Any indications of that? You took hoping, it right out of my mouth. I'm hoping maybe like every 100 years the Jets will win the Super Bowl. So, so in other words, you won't be around to see it. Maybe we'll have one in 2069. I don't know. Maybe You, you expect too much. I just can't get over the fact you're gonna that be like he, one of those. he said to me that I was going to go to Philadelphia State. Is that even a school? No, it's not. By the way, there's Philadelphia not State Penitentiary. Did y'all, y'all look penitentiary. it up? I looked it up. I, I looked. I couldn't find it. What did it say? Evan, 1969 no. was more than 50 no. years ago. You realize that? <laughs> more Top of his class, years. man. Right, but nine, but 2069 would be in the next 50 years. That well, right. I see what you're saying, Evan. Yes. You're gonna be like you're gonna be like. Didn't the realize Chicago. I had to explain that clearly. Not, hey. not summa cum laude there at Columbia. No, I, no, you, I was not. You you. Uh, Evan, you're going to be like them dudes from the Chicago Cubs when they won the championship and they were interviewing all the guys that sitting around waiting 100 years. We finally won. Do you realize there are Jets fans? Like, like it's going to wind up being generations who have lived and died, literally, hearing stories from Grandpa who saw it in 1969. Hey, maybe one day and, and they just never get to see it. What did I say? Yeah, he graduated. So oh, he graduated. Oh, That's what I'm Suma. telling you. Oh, get him, Richard Sherman. I told cum laude from Stanford. That's what I told you. Ooh. I know damn well I ain't crazy. Get him. Get him, Richard Sherman. And That's he from Compton. That's very Now impressive. what? Compton, California. F- Compton Home of NWA. to summa cum laude at Stanford. Summa cum laude at Stanford. That's what I know. <laughs> That's more impressive than anything he's done in the NFL, and he's won a Super Bowl. Wow. See, I told you Philadelphia State, you know, it's just No, stop. I didn't graduate I didn't graduate summa cum laude, but don't don't do that to me. That's hard as hell, man. <laughs> when we was doing my graduation at USC and they was doing all the dude boo boo. 
I said, well, I'm going before the end. Y'all ain't got to worry about that. You know how they do everybody. They got the super colladies and everything else. I'm like, yeah. They're like, when are you going? I'm like, I'll be next. I'm going number one. Yeah, I'll be be first. I'm not going with the white robes. You ain't got to worry about that. He's like, what is it, super cum laude? What, 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 you got a super cum laude? All I know is they're really, really smart. That's all I that, need to know. That's it. Speaking of the Bucks and uh-huh. Brady, Seth Wickersham has a new book to be published October 12th called It's Better to Be Feared, an inside, an inside look at the Patriots dynasty. Here's an, there's an excerpt on ESPN.com. You have to check it out if you haven't yet. Seth, good morning. Good morning, guys. And I just want to say, first of all, thanks for having me on. But second of all, I could listen to this Philadelphia State trash talk all morning. And so I'm happy to come back later if you guys want. Where'd you graduate from, Seth? University of Missouri. There you go. Summa cum cum laude at least. I was not a a white robe either. (laughs) (laughs) Cum laude. I I needed to come to class more is the problem. (laughs) Cum laude. Um, what's the biggest thing you want people to know about your new book? Your, I have to say it. I think it's we're obligated. Your explosive new book. It is explosive. <laughs> it is better to be feared, Seth. Well, I, you know, look, I think that there's little, you know, buzzworthy things that are going to get attention. And, and, you know, I'm happy to talk about them. But, you know, the totality of the book is about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and what fueled their greatness and what the costs of it were. And I think that... Um, you know, it's, it's an exhaustive read into the past 20 years. You know, I interviewed hundreds of people, and I've interviewed Tom Brady and Bill Belichick many times over the years. And, um, you know, I think that, like, that's, that, that's what I exactly try to explore in the book is exactly, like, how these two, you know, in football terms or, you know, in, in the football world, the white robes um, were able to be so dominant and so great. And then, you know, what was the, the toll of that? Mm. Seth, in the, the opening line of, of your excerpt in the ESPN.com is that in the end, Tom Brady just wanted to simply say goodbye in person to his longtime coach and Bill Belichick. But according to your new great book that uh, comes out next month, Bill Belichick said that he wasn't available, which I find pretty funny, uh, insisted uh, the two New England legends talk on the phone or Zoom or something <laughs> along those lines. <laughs> What kind of interaction do you expect, though, of the two this weekend? Because we've seen what Bill's done to other individuals that he's faced as coaches, the shoulder, cold shoulders, things of that nature. What do you think will happen with him and Tom? Well, I think that what that anecdote kind of illustrates is that, you know, the untouchable quarterback wasn't untouchable um, to the Patriot way and the Bill Belichick way. And, you know, it had been telegraphed for years. I mean, you know, Tom Brady had talked for years about how he was sure that the moment that Bill didn't think that he could play at the highest level, that they might move on from him. And even though Robert Kraft had kind of said, you know, to, that, that Brady had earned the right to walk away on his own terms, and he kind of did that by walking away as a free agent, um, you know, that's how things ended. And I, you know, in terms of the pregame, I, you know, I don't know. I mean... I think that these two guys, what they did together for 20 years is amazing. And to have, you know, two high achievers be able to produce that um, for 20 years is amazing. And, you know, my gut would tell me that there's a lot of love between them, even if right now I think that it seems like that things are strained. Seth, how surprised were you to actually find out how Robert Kraft 
actually felt about Bill Belichick at certain moments? You know, it was surprising and not. I think that Robert Kraft, he felt, you know, he pulled off the greatest trade in NFL history. I mean, that alone should be worthy of the Hall of Fame. Um, but at times, I think he felt like that, that Bill Belichick didn't treat him with the respect that he deserved. And, you know, so he vented in moments, you know, calling him the biggest, you know, effing a-hole in his life and an idiot savant who, who was given that chance. But again, you know, by and large, I mean, those are two very driven men who have worked well together. Um, but again, you know, I think that Robert Kraft felt at times that, that Bill Belichick didn't show him the, the respect that he deserved as, as the owner of the team. Talking to Seth Wickersham, his new book, Better to Be Feared, dropping next month. Um, Seth, this is what I'm interested in. Well, I'm interested in a lot of the excerpts from your book that are on ESPN.com right now. But please, like, get into this a little bit, please. Toward the end of the dynastic run, Belichick commissioned an internal study to examine the traits of transcendent athletes. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Tiger Woods, and Tom Brady were interviewed, among others. And what was interesting to me is what motivated a lot of those guys seemed to be themes of rage and, and what you say, manufactured conflict. I even mentioned about Aaron Rodgers earlier in the show. You know, he's, he seems to be looking for naysayers. I mean, they're out there mm-hmm. here and there, but he's looking for that extra external motivation. Not Brady, according to the study. He felt best when he's not measuring the size, I'm quoting from the book now, of the chip on his shoulder, but when he was in a loving and supportive environment. Clearly, that had to have played out in Patriots versus Bucks, one would think. Yeah, and I think that that, it was an excellent predictor, even though Brady didn't leave for a couple more years. And look, Belichick commissions studies all the time, and they're often statistical studies that he delegates to executives and assistant coaches. Um, And I think this one was interesting because, you know, Tom Brady obviously does have a chip on his shoulder at times, but, and he has talked about this over and over and over again, how resolutely he's become um, a positive thinker. And you think about how that's at odds with the way that Bill Belichick often ran the Patriots. And so the interesting thing to me about that is you have Tom Brady, who was raised in an incredibly loving and supporting family, supportive family, um, you know, that was his main, his main motiva- motivators. And then you kind of have this collision course with the system that Bill Belichick has um, created, which has been wildly successful, but is, you know, based on um, fear at times and those types of motivators. And so it doesn't surprise me that Tom got old of that system, got tired of that system towards the end. And then he goes to Tampa where you have Bruce Arians, who's mixing cocktails for, you know, assistant coaches and players after games. It's completely different. You know, it's like going from Harvard to Florida State. And it Uh-oh. turned out Florida State could win championships, too. Yeah. Speaking of Belichick, uh, you wrote that he met secretly, secretly with uh, Roger Goodell after the Deflategate um, investigation. Why is that so important to learn? Well, I think it's interesting because obviously Roger Goodell was public enemy number one of the New England Patriots from, you know, 2015 on. And even though I had reported on aspects of this before, you know, he and Bill Belichick became close, you know, in the football world. And after the Super Bowl in which um, the Patriots beat the Falcons the morning after when they were waiting for the the head coach and the MVP, MVP press conference, Roger Goodell enters a room and... Belichick hugged him and lifted him off of his feet. And, you know, later that offseason, they meet in this 
you know, deserted airplane hangar in New England and spent four hours there talking about rule changes. Um, it was almost like they were on the upstairs part of, a, of almost what looked like a shack. And so, um, you know, I found that interesting just because obviously you have, again, Roger Goodell, you know, Tom Brady's family is very angry with him. Tom Brady keeps his suspension letter in a binder to remind him of it. And you have Bill Belichick, who, you know, became a, kind of a trusted confidant. Seth, oh, so I want to get to the spicy stuff. And you, you've given us a lot <laughs> thus far. But the Pats are one and two. Okay, obviously with a rookie quarterback playing against the defending Super Bowl champions. If they get blown out by Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, what will the internal reaction be to Bill Belichick in New England? Well, you know, Tom Brady Sr. had kind of a funny line last year around the Super Bowl when he told the Boston Herald that I'm paraphrasing here that but the bill was kind of on the hot seat. And, you know, that was before the Bucs won the Super Bowl. And, you, you know, the New England Patriots spent a lot of money in the offseason on guaranteed contracts. They drafted a quarterback in the first round, something Bill Belichick had never done in his entire head coaching career, partially because he had drafted the greatest quarterback of all time. And, you know, there's nothing that will ever take away from what these guys accomplished together. But the fact that Tom Brady is operating on a pretty high level right now, one would say, um, and is the reigning Super Bowl MVP and the Patriots are one and two and still kind of trying to find their way on offense and not getting a lot of production out of, especially the tight ends that they signed. Um, I, think that's, I think that's pretty interesting. Was it more Brady or Belichick? That's the 21st century's <laughs> great sports argument. And right now, Tom Brady is winning that debate. Whatever we think about it, it that, those are the facts. The great Seth Wickersham, ladies and gentlemen. His book, Better to be Feared. Drops next month. There's so much in there. We could, we could only touch on some of the stuff. There's so much in. Go to ESPN.com. Check out the excerpts. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, guys. How um, big of a circus was it really when Keyshawn Johnson played the Jets for the first time? Tony Dungy was his coach at that time, and he joins us. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, ESPN News, Sirius XM, Channel 80, your smart speaker. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join on the Goodyear hotline, and that includes Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy. One of the most anticipated games of the season. Tom Brady returns to New England as the Buccaneers face the Patriots on Sunday Night Football on NBC and Peacock. Tony Dungy will be part of the special on-site edition of Football Night in America at 7 p.m. Eastern. And Tony Dungy is with us right now on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Morning, Coach. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Coach, you'll be looking smooth out there on the tube with Drew Brees now. I see you, man. We see you working. <laughs> We're having fun. I miss my man Rodney Harrison. Rodney's on site now, but we'll all be together uh, this, this Sunday night. It's going to be crazy, I'm sure. Coach Dungy knows about revenge games. Coach, what do you remember about Mr. Keyshawn Johnson's first game against the Jets? <laughs> uh, Max, I, I, I don't make many mistakes, but I made a mistake that, that week. Uh, we kind of came together as a staff and we said, hey, this is going to be so much focus on this. Why don't we not use our regular Wednesday on the normal press conferences? Let's let Keyshawn go on Tuesday. That way we can get all the Keyshawn back to New York stuff done. And then Wednesday will be a regular day. So we let Key have his own press conference on Tuesday. And, oh, my goodness, I don't know if the tabloids could have written enough after it was all said and done. So uh, needless to say, he made a lot of headlines, and uh, it didn't turn out so well for us. No, it it did not, Coach Dungy. But, hey, in the end, we were in the playoffs and the Jets were not. So there you go. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> we, do, we knew that would be the case. But uh, we had some fun, and, and it, it really led me to the next time that happened to just say, you know, try to make it as normal as possible. Uh, but nothing was going to be normal about that. Keyshawn going back to New York, there was no way to, to avoid that. Just like this Sunday with Tom going back to New England. As you, you've been through it personally yourself, uh, having gone back to Tampa as a head coach after being so successful with us in Tampa Bay. Um, when you look now at Tom Brady going from Tampa back to New England, what what are you expecting in Tom Brady's return, the greatest quarterback probably to ever play, depending on who you're asking, in the National Football League, certainly in New England. Yeah, I've never seen anything like this in, in this league. You know, 20 years in, in one spot, all that success, uh, just all the love that was there. And then to usually when, when those players go, um, they're not the same. And, you know, there's someplace else they don't have a lot of success. Maybe they come back as the, the fallen hero. But now you're coming back with a Super Bowl ring, and uh, you're really playing great football. And, and it, it's going to be very, very interesting. It's going to be emotional for Tom, I'm sure. It's going to be emotional for the fans. How are they going to feel about things? They're going to want to show their love to, to this guy who took them to such great heights. But they're still rooting for the, the Patriots and – I don't know how, how it's going to be. It's going to be a, a lot of love and a lot of emotion, but I, I don't know how it's going to play out. Tony Dungy, NBC Sports football analyst, pro football Hall of Fame coach, joining us here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Coach, there's so much talk, obviously, about Tom Brady, all the Super Bowls he's won with Bill Belichick. 
but we're not talking about Mac Jones. How challenging is this going to be for Mac Jones in a game of this magnitude? Oh, it'll be tough on him as well because everybody's going to look at this and say, well, gosh, we could have Tom Brady. And if we had Tom, what would our team look like now? We'd be a Super Bowl team. Look how well he's playing. And this is a the guy they picked to replace him. And look what he's doing. So there's going to be pressure on him to outplay Tom. And he's got to just stay in his own shoes and say, you know what, I've got, I'm not Tom Brady. I've got to do my job with my team and help us get a win. Uh, but, yeah, there, there's going to be pressure on both quarterbacks for sure. Coach Dungy, you know, I remember when you came back to Tampa Bay for the, the, the first time as Indianapolis uh, coach, head coach, and, and uh, you know, we all saw you clearly. And, and, you know, there was emotions that was running with all of us. What was it like for you to coach against former players that you drafted, you traded for, you – inherited, you signed, whatever the case may be, and especially guys that you had connections with? Keyshawn, I'll tell you, I spent the whole week leading up to that game telling everybody it was just another game and it wasn't about me. We, we were undefeated. You guys were coming off a of Super Bowl defending champs, and, and I wanted that to be the storyline. And that's the way I played it. And in my own mind, I played it that way until I got there. And then you land at the airport and you see people that, that you've seen, you know, your entire life. And you get to the stadium and, you know, you walk in the other way and you're in the visiting locker room. But you see all the people that uh, that, that you know, all the staff people and, and, and all that. And it just starts to build up. And then when we got introduced before the game, they introduced the starting 11 and then they, the, the head coach. And I didn't know what the response was going to be. Um, you know, you just, you're not sure. Well, when I got that ovation, it just was all I could do not, not to cry. And, and you know me, I'm not an overly emotional guy, no. but uh, it was, it was just, you know, seeing everybody, seeing all you guys, the guys that, that we had worked together for all those years and you're on the other sideline now and, you know, you want to do well. And I told my team all week, you know, hey, just go play our game. But they, they wanted to win for me. And we, we couldn't have played worse for, for 55 minutes. And I think the guys were too uptight. Yeah. Yeah, then y'all clipped us in the end. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> it was a 60-minute game and not, not 56. Yeah. Coach, some fans who are emotional over America's team is how Mike, McCar how Mike McCarthy has been dealing with clock management over the last two games. How concerned are you about the way he's handled that? Well, you know, it, it's there's there's a lot that goes on and a lot of things that are happening, and, and some things get chalked up to clock management that maybe are not clock management, but they're in other areas. And having the right play dialed up that you want and having communication, that's the important thing. Clock management, you know, w we can discuss that, and you can think, well, he made the right call or didn't. I, I would be more concerned about just making sure my lines of communication don't break down and that we get the plays in that we need to have in and we get the call that we need called. Um, you, you can always second-guess clock management. But uh, as the games get bigger, and they're going to get bigger for Dallas because they're, they're obviously a good football team. We had them mon uh, opening Sunday night, and I was a little surprised how well they played against Tampa, but I think that's really them. They, they've got some athletes. They've got some, some swagger, and they're, they're going to be in this thing. 
Coach, Coach Dungy, you're probably one of a handful of coaches that I can think of that have been through this situation before. In 1999, you drafted a young quarterback out of Tulane by the name of uh, Sean King, and you had a veteran there in Trent Dilfer. You had a system for Trent Dilfer, but Sean King was inserted into the lineup due to injury, and you went on to the NFC Championship game with Sean. How can Matt Nagy and the Chicago uh, Bears fix the offense and design things to have Justin Fields have some some sort of success? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Drew Brees, we were talking about this on our show uh, Sunday night. They have to structure it for Justin Fields. And you can't just stick him in there and say, well, this is our system. This is what we do. And, and come on and do it. Um, they've got to give him some help, design the stuff that he's good at, that he's comfortable with, and give him an opportunity to, to grow. And he'll learn it and he'll grow. Uh, everybody is kind of overreacting right now. Um, I coached against John Elway in John's first game as a pro. He completed two passes in the whole game. Uh, I coached against Alex Smith. He was the number one pick in his first start. And he threw, I think he threw more interceptions than he had completion. And it's hard for, for rookie quarterbacks and young guys. We have to let them grow, and they're going to go through some, some growing pains. But you've got to do what they can do. Uh, Peyton Manning played as a rookie, threw more interceptions than any rookie ever has. But he learned from it. Uh, he grew from it. And the next year, they're 13-3. and three. But what Tom Moore did is he put that system in for Peyton. Hey, that the best thing he's going to do is use his mind and create. So we're going to let him go no huddling, be at the line of scrimmage and change plays. And it wasn't great that first year, but they grew into it. That's what they've got to do with Justin Fields. What is he going to be? And let's not make this Andy Dalton's offense. Let's not make this the Chicago Bears offense. What offense are we going to use that is going to maximize Justin Fields' skill? Tony Dungy, Coach mm-hmm. Tony Dungy, talking some common sense. That's right. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate you jumping on with us. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Common sense is uh, not always easy to find sometimes. Apparently we overthink not. things. Yeah, exactly. that is true, TD. Not. Apparently not. Thank you, Coach. We asked you Alrighty, on the, good to be you. with you guys. We asked you on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, NFL teams' records that don't match, like which team's records don't match how good or bad they are. In other words, they're not indicative of what the team really is. This team's 3-0, and this team's 1-2. and 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Plus, Aaron Rodgers is facing an opponent he has a lot of history with, but will tell you if he has a future with them, too. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. 
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Straight Talk Wireless has rolled out 5G coverage nationwide, and you can get a Samsung Galaxy A32 5G for only $299, no contract, all on America's best networks. Straight Talk Wireless, 5G-capable device required, actual availability coverage, and speed may vary. See, Max, right. you got to read the promo to the beat. Not why. You know what I mean? I know you get right through it, but it, it, it's, it's a jam. Yeah, to that? Yeah, Have but you that's, a jam to this? It takes five minutes to get through the but promo. That, but that's, that's fine. We're, then, we're, we're closing we can't time talk about the football. show. We've been talking about football for four hours. And we're going to talk about it tomorrow for another four. Thank you. Is that a problem with you? No, not a problem okay. with me at all. all right. Jay's saying maybe nice a little basketball. basketball. Be nice, a little sprinkle nice, a little it bit, in, right? Just a little, little bit. bit. I mean, opening bit. day, you know. Salted them a little bit, a little bit. That's fine. Which team's record right now? Yeah! Is not reflective of what they really are. That's what we asked you on the Dr. Pepper Call in line, 888-729-3776. Real quick, Key, which, yes. which team's record? Before we play this Aaron Rodgers sound, real quick. Tennessee Chiefs. Yeah, two and one. One and two. One and two. One and two. It'll get worked out. They may not win, win the division. The division. Uh, Doesn't mean they're not going to the playoffs. Browns, Ravens, Chargers. They've had a tough schedule. Yes, Jay. I- I'm going to give an outlier here. The Vikings, man. Vikings, I mean, talk about Dalvin Cook, fumble away from them winning a game. Talk about a Greg Joseph field goal that was missed. They could be 3-0 and right now. And regardless of what people say about Kirk Cousins, it's kind of it's balling. I agree with balling. Key about the Chiefs, I, but he already took it. I'll take the Broncos 3-0. and They have played the New York teams and the Jags. Give yeah. me a break. Can, can we just listen to something back? Because I never knew that. Tennessee had a team called the Chiefs. Can we run it Did back? Did I say please? Tennessee Chiefs? Can we just run it back? Please, Al? Um, didn't yeah, go to I, Stafford, I, think said, I think he said Kansas City no, and someone no. thought it was Tennessee, Tennessee Chiefs. Please. Tennessee Chiefs. Tennessee Chiefs. Tennessee Chiefs. To quote the great Sean Carter. Tennessee Chiefs. I think he's, he's, let me hear it. Oh, let's Chiefs. be quiet for a second so we can hear it. Go. To quote the great Sean Carter. Tennessee Chiefs. I think he said Kansas City. He said I said Tennessee like, Chiefs. I think, I Tennessee I think Tennessee he said Chiefs. Kansas City, too. But it doesn't Tennessee matter. It's look, English. Look, I think, I think, I think he said, Chiefs. I think he said Kennessee Chiefs. Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee Chiefs. Chiefs. Watch this. Kansas City Chiefs. I just said Kansas City. No, but Kansas he didn't Chiefs. Say, Tennessee Chiefs. But y'all act Tennessee. like I'm Richard Sherman. I'm not Kuma Salati or whatever. <laughs> no, he's definitely not Kuma Salati. He's not super Kuma Salati. Kuma Salati or whatever what? it's called. Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat McAfee show talking about the Steelers. Listen. You know, it's a great blue-collar town. There's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of great people that live there. It's got a lot of history, that city. But I have a ton of respect for Mike. I think he's a fantastic coach. I think he's – I love the way that he leads. I love the way he talks after the games. He always seems to keep things, uh, you know, really even keeled. You know, it looks like he's somebody that the players players love playing for him. So, they, you know, they've had a great defense. It's been a part of Pittsburgh, uh, the franchise, for a long, long time. I don't like Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, like because I didn't play with him in – I should have been able to play with him. <laughs> right. It's ridiculous how you Make just, life easy when you play with Aaron Rodgers, right? It makes right? life Especially. easy. And as you watch highlights and you, you just watch him throw the ball, you're like, damn. Like, that's back crazy. Back shoulder is to the back shoulder. So, yeah, someone you, else can make a play on it? You would have went to Green no, Bay? No, no, no. I wouldn't have gone to Green Bay. You no, I could have played with Brett Favre. I did not want to go to Green Bay. But here's what I would say about Aaron Rodgers. 
Pittsburgh will be an interesting spot. The problem with Pittsburgh for him in the future, if Ben Roethlisberger was to be gone and he was to leave and go to Pittsburgh, out of the NFC, into the AFC, the trade probably can work. The problem, though, is if the, the argument that he was making in the offseason, Max and Jay, that he wanted control, or not wanted control, but wanted to have some say in what they did with personnel, I don't know that he gets that in Pittsburgh. I don't know no. that... They, you know, I just don't see that happening. I wouldn't want to go to Pittsburgh. Everybody says Denver seems like the obvious choice. But why don't we talk about the Saints? Why don't we talk because about the Saints Sha- don't need him. You don't know that yet? I'm not well, sure. Did, because, is Jameis Winston well, just use the him. answer? Well, they could look. Nobody's saying that Jameis Everybody Winston. Everybody can use him. Well, if he saying. was on it the Saints, like hold on. If he's on the Saints, it's a different conversation. That the Saints are ridiculously yeah. good. It's a different conversation. Ridiculously it's a different good. conversation. And, and let's not forget Jeff Darlington, who's all over the Brady thing, said. People forget how close the Saints were to signing Tom Brady before Drew Brees decided to come back. Okay. Like, if Drew Brees doesn't come back, Tom Brady might have been playing but he, for the Saints. So we know, we know that Sean Payton would go down that road of a veteran quarterback, Hall of Famer at the end of his career. But check Thank this out, though, real quick. Is there a better place than what he already has personnel-wise? In, in Maybe marginal. Like, if the Packers didn't have Rodgers, if the Packers didn't have Rodgers, we'd look at the Packers and go, ooh, could you imagine if the Packers had Rodgers? He's on the Packers. Yeah, but they got some pretty good players. Greeny is next. Tennessee Ty Chiefs. Law is going to be with us Shut tomorrow up. on Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max. Every day, Keyshawn gets up and starts beating Jay with papers. Abuse! Whoop is you know what. Keep your hands to yourself. Really small. Greeny coming up, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.